As I've shared with you, you know, I love the book of Acts. It's just really a powerful book. The sixth chapter is uh, an interesting. Now, these chapters that we're doing now, we're dealing with controversy hitting the church. There's starting to be some some things happening to cause some problems, dissension. There's some persecution. We're going to see an event today that's important. When we come out of this, this event today, we're going to head in over the next few weeks uh, dealing with some things with, with uh, the evangelist or the, the Stephen. And we're going to see his martyrdom in a couple of weeks. And then the church begins to be persecuted initially from the Jews. Then we'll see move that out. So you see even this movement, there's growth. There's people coming to Christ. Um, all of this is happening. And some events occur that, that Luke thinks are important events for us to follow. So here it is, verse six, chapter 6, verse 1. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, so they're growing, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving in the italics, it says, of food. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. The church was growing. Now, it's not necessarily reaching Gentiles, but the Jewish population had, was a little bit multicultural. I mean, there were a lot of Jews who were outside of the area of Palestine, outside the Holy Land. They had come back to Jerusalem for the Passover. A lot of them were coming to faith in Jesus, and so they were not leaving. Um, some of them had just been moving down there anyways. And so culturally, there were Jews who were primarily Hebrew, Hebraic. They spoke the Hebrew language primarily. Culturally, they were that way. And then there were Jewish people who were a little more Greek in their culture. Their, their first language was either Greek or whatever area they came from. They had some cultural experiences that they identified a little bit with the, the Greco-Roman world. They were still Jewish. Before Christianity came, they were still Jewish, did all the Jewish things. They just were culturally different. There's a multi, double culture, multiple cultures, really. When uh, people began coming to Jesus, both groups began coming to Christ. They were getting along, but there was a complaint. The idea is grumbling. So, obviously, this is, you know, an early form of Baptist church because there was grumbling, uh, complaining, uh, making the life of the men who just simply love Jesus more than anything miserable and uh, difficult. And so I just added that part. It's not really in the text, but I just like to think of it that way. And uh, I like to think, hey, they know what we're feeling with. But, uh, and it was over distribution or serving uh, the widows. So they took the ministry to widows seriously. Uh, later on, James in his book would, would, would say, listen, Christianity is about helping people. And he gives two examples, orphans and, and, and widows, people who connect to the church. So this was an important part of what they did. They took care of their, of their own. Uh, the, the thing is, there you go. So do y'all know that the screen back there is going crazy? Just, that's okay now. Okay, got it. Okay, so it was just yelling at me, things. Um, and, and so this was the problem. Now, here's the interesting thing. The word used here is the word serving. It comes from a form of the word where we get our term deacon from. A couple of places, there'll be the Greek word, diakoneo, diakonos, whatever, the diakonion, where our term deacon comes from. And so what I'm about to read, talk about, some people think these were the first deacons. Now, there's, there's, there's a camp that says that. There's a camp that says that it was not the first deacons. I am of that camp. This is not 
firmly believe, and I'll tell you why in a minute, this is, this is not about, these aren't guys, aren't deacons, we're about to see. The word to serve or minister is one of the most versatile words you will find in the New Testament. It's used frequently, sometimes depending on the context, is serve or to minister. Um, it's the idea of waiting upon someone else. I was talking to Timothy a while ago, who's uh, far more knowledgeable about Greek than I am, and he was reminding me that its original derivative was about someone who was a slave. Um, it, is, it is a word that has to do with placing yourself below others to serve. In the New Testament, the word deacon, or what the term we get for deacon, which is a very technical use of this term. Ministering or serving is a much more natural use of the verb, or servant, or minister, or the one who ministers, uh, waits on others, is a much more natural use. But the technical term deacon is only used two at most three times. The two times that we will accept, most people accept as being used, are in Philippians, and I was reading through Philippians today, it's by chance, where Paul says, you know, me and Timothy, and I think Sylvanius, and the deacons say, hey. That's a technical usage. That was written probably about 62 AD. The other time is in the book of Timothy where it describes the requirements of the pastor and then below that it mentions the deacons and what the characteristics of them. This would have been after Philippians, depending on how you date it, sometime between 64, 65, 66, but you get it, the picture. There are no other technical usages of the term. This book is written 30 years, or this, this events, not the book was written, but the events are 30 years before a technical usage of the term deacon is used. Now, there is one other time it's used, that it could be technical in Romans, which was written, you know, about 55, 56 right in there. And this is in reference in Romans 16 to a woman named Phoebe, who was called a deaconess, but we translate it servant. Now, I mean, I realize we're devout loving Baptists, and it is absolutely uh, a sin to think Deacon Phoebe could have been a deaconess. So we, you know, most tend to just to use the word servant, but I would suggest to you, if the word deacon means to serve, and she was a servant, what's the difference? I don't know. So I'll just say this up front. I get asked all the time, if you believe in women deacons, yes or no, not going to have them. Okay, just telling you. Don't ever worry about David saying we're going to have women deacons. Not going to. It's not going to do it. You know, why? Because I don't need to hassle. What, what, how is it going to change our church? Our church is really good. We've got a lot of great women serving. Some of our best servants, not, not some. If I had to rank the people who do the best job, it's almost start the first like one, two, three, 57 are women, you know? I'm not going to get to a guy to weigh down the list. So I got no issue. I got a problem. But I also think that in the New Testament, this is just my opinion, this is not, you know, this is not the normative view, that there were women deacons for women. That technically there were women designated. And I think 1 Timothy 3 gives permission for that. Instead of saying deacons wise, it would say women also, or even the wife of the deacon served that way. But it was strictly for the help of women, which I think Phoebe was. I'm saying all of that, which means nothing. I just try to be upfront with you. I just want you to understand that when we come to this passage, I don't think it's talking about that. I think it's talking that there is a need that has to be met. How are you going to deal with this problem? And so in verse 2, so the 12, which was the original 11, and then they added, you know, 
Matthias, they summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable, it is not best for us to neglect the word of God in order to, and here's the word, serve tables and ministers. It's, it's not the best use of our gifts and talents. Now, let me just say this right now. The ministry of the word, and I'll find it more in a minute, is what I do right now and on a normative basis. It's preaching. They're going to add prayer to it because all that is connected. They're not, they're not saying that this ministry of waiting on the tables or the service is not important. If it wasn't important, they wouldn't be dealing with it. If it wasn't important, they wouldn't have done it to begin with. But for those guys, it can't be the priority. Now, understand, think about this for a moment. Let's just assume there's on a conservative number 15,000 believers in Jerusalem at this time. There's probably more but on a conservative number. And they're all brand new. They're all baby Christians. There's no, the only veteran Christians are the 11 guys. And you add a few others, Matthias, and then, you know, the Justice, who was also considered for the replaced Judas. You know, you Barnabas, a couple others. That's all you got. Who is going, and you got 15,000 plus new believers who is going to be teaching them the truth about Jesus? How many people are qualified? The 11 and a few others. So they're the only ones capable of doing what has to be done. How many people just can, in, in, can serve on tables? Well, basically, if you can walk and talk and move your arms about, theoretically, you could do that. Okay, so maybe this is a passage for deacons. I don't know. It's not a hard trick to do. I get maybe. I don't know. Sorry, Doug. I know you're shaking your head. It's okay. All the deacons. Oh, you guys over there. Now, there's going to be requirements placed on it. But what I'm saying is, it's not that it's, they aren't both important. It's a matter of what can you do in the church. There's three fundamental aspects of things that have to be accomplished: the preaching of the word, teaching of the word, ministry, and administration. Now, some of that, I do all of some of that, you know. But in a minute, we're going to see the proposed uh, 2024 budget. I, you know, Troy did most of that with the other pastors, did a lot of, they get all their stuff, they got all together. I did a couple of things. I, I, didn't, I didn't put all that together. I didn't do all the research. I didn't put all that together. I, I, all I did was give them the mark that I think we needed to hit from the budget. When they got it all done, they brought it to me. I looked it over and said, sound good. Let's go get to the finance committee. I didn't do all that work. I could have. I didn't. And there's a lot of ministry, a lot of visitation. I'll do some of it. But most of you are a lot better at going to the hospital than me. Seriously. I mean, I say this all the time. I'm, I'm okay at it. It's not my specialty. You know, I mean, you know, if I have to, I can ratchet it up and really be good. But it, it takes like, but that's like, I can only do that once a month. I can't. There's like 12 times a year I can be really good at that. Otherwise, I'm not any good. You know, it's just many of you are far better. You're far more sympathetic. You'll sit there and you'll talk and all that. I'm like, you know, I just don't good. But you know what I can do semi-decent is this. So where should I spend most of my time? Well, David, I think you need to spend more time out visiting all the members of the church. Why would I do that? So sometimes it's about prioritizing for you. Part of my responsibility as pastor is to make sure the other pastors put the people in the right place to do the right job. There's Joe Andrews, campus pastor, as he's officially known. He, his birth certificate has been changed to say that. Joe Andrews, campus pastor. He, over, more than anybody, his responsible to be sure all of you get put in the right place. 
That's, part, that's a major part of what he does. I don't deal with it. I rarely get involved. If I have to get involved with it, that means something's going wrong. So what I'm saying is you've got to understand these things. That's all they're saying. So what did they do? And this is the brilliance of this passage. Therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men. Why seven? Okay, I'll just be spiritual and say God created everything in seven days, so we'll just go with seven. Seven is, you know, the number of God. We'll just do all the spiritual stuff. It, it, I think that's true. I also think probably pragmatically it worked. Notice what he says. First of all, they got to have a good reputation. Now, these men, they got to have a good reputation in the church and also outside the church, because later on we're told outside of the church is important too. Men and women who serve at First Baptist Church, we want to make sure they have a good reputation. We want to make sure that no one walks through the door of our church just on the outside, looks at them and says, what in the world is that guy doing there? Or why is that woman teaching my kids? Occasionally, there may be a conflict with someone who doesn't have the reputation that we would desire. We resolve that. And we will resolve it. Sometimes we may just put you somewhere else where your reputation isn't as important. I'm not going to say like the parking lot. That wouldn't be kind. But they also get this, have to be full of two things, the, Holy, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and of wisdom. They need to have the Spirit of God in them, so they need to exhibit those characteristics. We might say we would even look at the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians, that's not what's not said here. That's the place to start. What do you mean? Okay. Peace, love, joy, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All nine of those, one fruit. They need to be in your life. And there's a lot of things you can say. And then they also have to have wisdom. They have to have on where you're serving. The amount of wisdom becomes important. Sometimes it's good to have people, I like to say, who have skin on, skins on the wall. In other words, they've lived some life and they've experienced things. Like for when, I, when I want someone to actually be a deacon in a church, who have experienced difficulties to be a deacon who is going to be able to minister to other people. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want a guy who's 25 to be a deacon. I, I mean, you know, I want to experience, to live the Christian life a little bit. Maybe to have been married, to know what it's like to be married. To understand what it's like to be under someone's authority because they have been married a while seems important to me. But you want those things. We will devote ourselves, look what he says, to prayer and the ministry of the word. We're going to be serving the word of God. Well, that makes sense. So look at what they did. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. Don't overlook the fact that there was agreement among the people. The apostles had wisdom. They came up under, I'm sure they prayed about it, sought the Lord's will, the Holy Spirit. They came up with a good, spiritually sound plan. And the people trusted them. And it seemed good to them. So they picked some people. Who did they pick? Well, Stephen, he becomes really important. Right after this uh, passage, everything kind of picks up with Stephen. And then seventh chapter of Stephen, he's an important guy. He was full of the faith in the Holy Spirit. And there was Philip. We'll see Philip in chapter 8. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, 
Parmenas and Nicholas, who was a proselyte from Antioch, so he was actually a Gentile. Now, there's a lot of debate whether these were, whether all these guys come from the Greek culture, Jews, or, well, you know, one of them was a proselyte or the Hellenistic. It doesn't really matter. These were seven men. And in, in, in doing so, it sets a really good pattern for us to understand what we should look for. We should look for people of high character. Now, we, we have a, a policy, we have a philosophy that we'll, we want people to serve. So we'll find a place to serve for just about anybody. There are some places where, like, if a person who wasn't a believer came and, like, is there, is there a place I could serve at your church? Yeah, we'd find a place for you. You know, you're not, you're not going to be teaching our children in number, up street or Wombole. You're not going to be singing, you know. But there are places that, that we can kind of start them off with, and hopefully they'll come to faith. But there are certain positions in the life of a church. Like your connect groups. We want your connect groups. Whoever the facilitator is, the leader, we want them to be pretty solid. We really kind of want that. We kind of want to check them out a little bit. So th- these are things that we desire. Is it a perfect plan? No, we, we make mistakes. But this is our goal. And, and this comes from this. Now, let me say this. While I don't think this passage deals with deacons explicitly, I do think Every deacon ought to follow. This is the starting place, but not just for them, for everybody. Shouldn't we all be this way? Shouldn't every one of us be of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom? Shouldn't, shouldn't we, we look and say, oh, yeah, that's our church. You know, oh, yeah, the people out at the Welcome Center, oh, yeah, they got it. You know, people holding doors, oh, yeah. You know, in the cafe, sure. It would be ideal if all of this were that way. I'm not talking looking for perfect people. You know, part of having a good reputation is the ability to say you're sorry, which I'm going to do Sunday, which shows you that you can trust me to apologize once in a while. But it doesn't happen often. But, but it's okay to have flawed people because we're all flawed. What's important is to have people who, when others look at them through all their flaws, say, that man, that woman... Well, they have a good reputation. I trust them. Even though sometimes they struggle, I trust them. To, to see the Holy Spirit work in their life with love and energy and excitement, and to see some degree of wisdom, at least spiritual growth, that you can, you can say, look at them and say, yeah, they have some knowledge. After they brought then before the apostles and praying, they laid hands on them. So let me talk about laying on of hands. This is where we get the concept of ordination. So I'm going to say this. In our business meeting tonight, the deacons are going to present a change in the bylaws. So it takes two business meetings to do this. And they're going to, they're going to make a wording change. And they're going to change the word ordained to the word elected. And we're taking the concept of ordaining out of the deacon. And here's why. That concept of ordaining, of setting aside, comes from a passage like this, laying on hands. I want you to understand that they laid on hands on people all the time for different things. In our life, I've been, I've been in meetings where a group of pastors, one guy's saying, you know, I'm changing churches, and hey, let's pray for them, and we go lay on hands. We're not ordaining them. The word laying on hands, the concept is to recognize, to encourage, and to affirm. Now, there's some other things. You're affirming what they're doing. You're encouraging them, and you're recognizing it. Now, do you want to do that with deacons? Absolutely. But we have taken that. We have twisted that. And we have made it a benchmark 
of setting them aside to be honored and to be held up on high. I've, I've dealt with this everywhere I've gone. This is church, actually, I've dealt with it the least amount. I've, I've had people, well, I remember when I first came here, I had this guy come up to me from another, he moved here from somewhere, I don't know. He left shortly after, because whatever. He, this first thing he said to me is, I want you to know I'm a deacon. And the first thing I wanted to say to him is, I really don't care. I did not say that. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're telling the wrong person. Because you just told me that you've just elevated yourself up to here. What we want to do is, is take men and elect them to that office and say they're important to serve because here's what happens. When you ordain someone, it is a lifelong pass. You know that? In our world, in Baptist world, I'm ordained. I'm always ordained. You can try. You can't take my ordination papers away. My home church, Park Hills, could take them away. Actually, Northside Baptist Church would have to take them away to correct that. My license was in Park Hills. But they're never going to take my ordination away. Same thing with deacons. They can go and say, but if you're just selected, we don't give you any paper. We don't do anything. We just say you elect you and we can unelect you. It's real easy to unelect someone. It's hard to unordain them. And I say that because we want to remove the idea that these people are held up on a pedestal. And what we want to do is make sure people understand they're serving. And that's important. But you're all important. You can serve on the personnel committee. You can serve over there in Awana. You can serve as a deacon. They're all important places to serve. And our deacons, the guys we have right now are fantastic guys. You know, I look at some of them, and I, and I do uh, love these guys. I tease them a lot because I think they deserve to be teased. I think it's important to do that for the humility. They tease me too, but I have the platform, and so I get just a few more digs in. It's better. These, are, these men are, are great. They're all serving places. They're all on committees and chairing and serving, and some of them are leaving, but that's okay, you know. So it's nothing to do with that. It has to do with understanding what a proper role is. So they laid their hands on them. They, they said, these guys are going to do that. In essence, they elected him to the position. Now, cool. This is cool. Notice what happened in verse 7. This is a summary. The word of God that they were preaching kept on spreading. Now, it kept on spreading because people were taking what they were taught and sharing it with other people. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. Remember, they're in Jerusalem. Acts 1.8, witnesses in Jerusalem. So they start, and a great many of the priests... We're becoming obedient to the faith. It was so powerful that the priest, entered, now, not the priest associated with the temple, but the rank and file priests, like uh, uh, Luke chapter 1, um, uh, Zechariah, those guys, they were coming to faith. Coming to faith. Coming to faith. And then in the next verse, we're going to start to see the story of Stephen. This passage is important because it says that early on, when there was a conflict in the church, they resolved the conflict. They resolved it positively. A few weeks ago, we saw a conflict in the church in, with Ananias and Sapphira. It was positive for some, but not for them, you know. You deal with the conflicts when they come up. You deal with them. But more importantly, I think with that, is that they began to set a pattern of expectation for people who are going to serve in the church. This is what we expect of you. First Baptist Church, we want this with all of you. Men, women, it doesn't matter. We want you to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want you to be full of wisdom. We want you to have a good reputation. We want you to grow and be of service. And so I look at this as an important characteristic and qualification for all of us. 
I strive for this. I know I don't, I know sometimes I fall short. But we all should strive for this. We all should strive for this in whatever every serve. And this is the other thing that I say. It also teaches us something else. Every place of service in the church matters. I've said this so many times. Before a guest ever walks here, in here, sits down and hears me preach, they have had contact with one of you anywhere from five to seven times. They have already made up their mind if they're coming back. If they decided they're not coming back, I can't do anything to fix that. If they decide they're going to come back, I can mess it up. Your areas of service have already determined what they will do. All those connect groups we have, 35 connect groups we have, you are involved in the lives of people every week. I don't touch that many. I don't, I'm not involved in all your lives. It's the staff guys and, and one or two others in my connect group, and that's it. That is where you do your church work and you serve one another. That's why it's important. Every one of those places matter. All of you matter. And all of you are important to the life of this church. So don't forget that. 